My name's Dave Aston. I'm a small part of this world. I'm a guy. And this is my podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Small Guy Podcast. Uh, another week... Uh, and another awesome interview with a good friend of mine from oh way back. God, it's years since I've seen you face to face, Damian Weaver. Uh, how you been, man? How things been going? I've been good, you know, man. I've been busy at the junkyard, um, enjoying life. No, I've been good. Sweet. So, how's your day to day been? Like you left Montco. Oh, I don't even remember how long it's been. Oh, man. Oh, maybe at least three years ago, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Wow. It's been a while. Yeah. God. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. A lot of fun memories. I miss Monco. Yeah, I <laughs> so do I. Oh, tell yeah. you. Be, being in a big box university isn't all it's cracked up to be. Uh, no. no, 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 no. I, I'll, you know what? I'm going to get into the details because some of the details bug me and I know they've been bugging you because you and I have chatted on Facebook in the past about all the, this, 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 Oh, everybody uses it, but it's not really right. All this cancel culture BS about everybody's got to have this one type of opinion about every certain thing. Um, and I know you and I caught a lot of flack back a couple of years ago. So since I, yeah, I've dumped Facebook entirely. I don't know if you have. Um, yeah, I still use Facebook here and there, but not as often as I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the whole cancel culture is ridiculous. It's, it's gotten crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the nonsense. It's, it's the self-defeating nonsense behind it that just bugs the heck out of me. But when I saw, yeah. when I saw people going after you, on Facebook, I I was like, no, stop, man. The you have, everyone's got unique ideas, and yours sort of cut a unique way. Like I don't even remember what it was all about. That's how important it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I guess I just had an opinion. I, I guess some people didn't like my opinion on like a, a certain subject, and I guess you know how it is nowadays. Um. If some people don't like your opinion, you know, you get backlash. And I guess that's how it was. Yeah, it's it's just it doesn't make any sense to me. Why why you would waste your breath and your time trying to cut somebody down just because it's a new way of looking at things. So what so you work at a at a junkyard. What is that like? Yeah, so it's pretty amazing. So I'm a cashier. I um so basically people buy doors or they buy wheels. They take mm-hmm. the wheels or the doors or wheels off the car. And um, I cash them out for it. Say, hey, a uh, door is $50. A wheel is $35. And yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's nice. So you sell car parts, sounds like. Oh, uh, we do. Yes, we sell a lot of car parts. Um, we have the cars all there. Mm-hmm. And um, basically... The customers come in, they find the car that they like, and then they, they have their own tools. They take whatever they want. Then they bring it to the cash register, and yeah, pay for it. Oh, okay. 
that answers my question about the difference between it and a chop shop because I, I've heard like you can't like sell parts of a car. You like you, you can I, I don't even know what it is. I, I honestly don't even know the difference, but it it's I was just curious how how that worked out. Um, like yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we can sell the only things we can sell and uh, oil pans. Oh, and um, yeah, Cadillac converters, oil pans. And there's uh, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. It's Cadillac converters and oil pans. Other than that, we can sell everything. Oh, wow. So. So you can even yeah. sell engines, hoses, filters. Assuming oh, yeah, all good. Yeah, so we actually sell a lot of engines. The customers come in, they work all day. They have maybe two or three people with them. They pull the engine out together. Then you know, um, they usually we help them out. We have a loader to like put the engine in their back of their truck, and then like they pay for it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Talk talk about a business that's that's got to be thriving in conditions like this. You know, people, yeah, just, they great. leave their cars sitting for all these months because of the lockdowns. Then they find out they need parts replaced and going to a regular mechanic would be crazy expensive. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And that's the good thing about this. You know, uh, we'll call it A.E. Monado. That's the name of the junkyard. Um, so we, yeah, we sell them at an affordable price. Like probably get a hose there for like maybe five, um, five dollars maybe less than that you go to another place the hoe is probably like 10 15 bucks so you know we always try to give good deals and yeah nice wow this is all new and fascinating to me yeah thanks i mean um it it is a lot of fun it's different than like um a lot of other jobs you know this job never gets boring there's always something to do there's always cars to bring in there's always um car parts to sell there's always um it's just a great business it's a lot of fun nice nice have you considered like th- like this is going to be your business or have you considered other other things to do? Um, I was mainly looking at this to be my, my business, I guess you could say. Um, hmm. Yeah, my, my father owns it. And um, yeah, my um, my brother, he uh, manages the place. So, yeah, I was literally looking at to be here, you know, um, for life, I guess, long term for life. Nice. So it's, it's nice. It's a nice hand-me-down business. One, one generation to the next. You don't see much of that anymore. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. You really don't. Um, it, it's not something you really see nowadays. And luckily, luckily, um, my dad's been in the business for over 40 years. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. It's been yep. doing that longer than I've been alive. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, it's got to um, know his stuff. Yeah, he um he owned another junk. He owned two of them at one point. He owned one that that used to be in, I think it was in Willow Grove. He owned one in Willow Grove. It was called Lou's Auto Salvage. He um he ended up turning it into a self storage unit. Um, and then they ended up closing for good back in um it's 2015. Oh, Not wow. that long ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> yeah. Huh. How did you get into it? What what sparked your interest? Um, you know, I just always, you know, I, I've been going to Monco and all, and like, I've just like always just, I just, I guess I just started to develop a passion for it. You know, when I was at Monco, I would um, sometimes be in school and then other times I would be at the yard and I'm like, you know, I, I really liked this because, um, I, I haven't really, when I was at Monco, I had a lot of fun and I was struggling with, um, you know, what I wanted to do in life. So I, I guess, um, I went to the junkyard and my dad told me, Hey, this is how the junkyard works and all this and all that. So I'm like, all right, I don't know much about cars, but I can 
I could try to get into this. I mean, it looks pretty cool. Wow. So you really did sort of hands on. Yeah, yeah. Like um my, my dad just took me there one day and said, Hey, um, do you want to come to the do you want to come to the business? Just like see what it's like. Because I know I know you don't know exactly what you want to do. I said, Yeah, I can give it a try. And turns out I ended up loving being there. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Huh. That's cool. Yeah, thanks. Wow. Huh. Yeah, and um that was probably like um Oh gosh, like maybe um four years ago. Yeah, so it's been it's been a long time now. <laughs> so so you're starting to become a pro at it. Yeah, yeah, I guess you can say that. Yeah. <laughs> you how, do you know how your dad got into it? How he got interested in, in doing something like this? Um not not fully. I I know my dad has always loved cars. Like even as a kid, he would tell me he would work on cars because it was a good way for him to, you know, uh, make money, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. He would uh, repair cars. He would, um, you know, he would change tires. Like he worked at like a, um, like, like a little, um, not a gas station. He worked at like some little car dealership place when he was younger. And then like he picked off some skills and then, um, next thing you know, he found an empty lands. He saved up a lot of money, bought the empty land, turned into a junkyard. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. This was over 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that was the right time to do it. You know, tax, yeah. taxes were getting cut. Land was getting cheap. Wow. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> wow. So you're going to, so your, te- your plan is to sort of keep on this track, stay in the yeah, junkyard my, business. Yeah, my plan is to keep the tradition, uh, keep the tradition going, you know. Uh, me and my brother are going to run it for the rest of our lives. Um, if I ever have a kid, hopefully they will run it. Maybe we'll see what happens. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do it the yeah. same way. You know, your dad taught you, you teach the next generation, keep it going. So yeah. It's a strangely vital business. It's something I, I never thought about until you mentioned it to me. I was like junkyard. Yeah. Yeah. That could work. You can make that happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, there's not a lot of junkyards nowadays. So no, there isn't. Cool. No, there isn't. Yeah. There's very few. <laughs> There's very few because people are like, they don't see it. We've got too much of a, of a, what we're doing right now, which is digital culture. How we're recording this interview is through a smartphone and a, and a computer and everybody's got their heads buried in that instead exactly. of getting their, yeah. hand, getting their hands in something. Yeah. I mean, and you know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just not there anymore. And you know, people, People would rather go on Amazon or eBay to buy car parts, you know. Um, so it, it's not like what it used to be. Like not like um back in the day, you know, you had people actually go out and um, you know, like you say, hands on would do it themselves. But nowadays with the internet, Amazon, eBay, it's just not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people that thrives on needing human inter- interaction. I work in retail, so if people don't come in, they don't talk to me face to face. I got no business. I got no livelihood. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm one. Of, I'm one of those people that's like, show me a face. Let me, I, like this. This whole Zoom thing is cool and all, but I'd rather see somebody where there's only the air between me and that other person. Yeah, exactly. I mean? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I, you know, human interaction. You need that. You know, you need to be face to face with somebody. You need that. Yep. Yeah. 
And I, you would think that something like this, these, these stupid pandemic lockdowns would have taught us that. But no, no. Yeah. Every meeting that everybody I talked to is like, oh, yeah, I'll meet you through this digital interface and that interface. And it's like, can you come down to earth for two seconds and talk to me? Yeah. <laughs> like, at least get on the phone, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm surprised. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would have thought lockdown would have made people like want to go out more, but yeah. I, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, interact more. I mean, mask or no mask, or I'm not even going to get into that. You yeah. th- you'd think they want to go out and see somebody, you know, even if it's from across the street. Hey, how you doing? You know, sort of, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like if lockdowns all mean anything, you know, it's like I want to get out there more, to uh, right. do more. And actually, that's what kind of got me into um, ice skating. You know, I was, um, well, I used to go bowling in the past, but like um, I picked up more hobbies along with bowling. I go ice skating on Saturday nights and it's something I love. <laughs> like, how did you get interested in the ice skating? What, what sparked that interest? Ice skating. Okay. Um, so I was in New Jersey one time. We were at the uh, American Dream Mall in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this huge mall. It's right near Giant Stadium. They had an okay. ice skating. So, right so there. North, yeah. North Jersey. So you're up near East Rutherford then. Yeah, exactly. East Rutherford, North Jersey. And basically um, there was an ice skating rink there. And my friend is like, hey, do you want to do ice skating? Like, oh, no, man, I'll probably fall all over the place. He's like, yeah, but, you know, it could be fun. And then I say, you know, that's a good point. Maybe it can be fun. So, you know, we're ice skating for like an hour or two. And then like, you know what? I can really get into this. And then like, you know, I go home. I look up ice skating near me. Turns out they have a nice game place in Hatfield. It's been fun ever since. Nice. Wow. So yeah. that, that, that place in Hatfield, I guess, would be indoors then. Yeah? Yes, yeah, indoors. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. They, yeah operate that, know, um, they operate that year round or is that just like a seasonal thing? Um, I believe it's year round, actually. Yeah, because wow. I've been going um, every Saturday. And um, from what, what they told me, they, um, they're open in the summer and in the fall. And I'm like, hey, that's amazing. That's, that's great. cool. Huh. Yeah, like, like if you want to go there on a hot summer day, like, you know, it's a really cool place to keep. It's a nice, cool place to, you know, get warm and get cold. Yeah, right. Right. Both at the yeah. same time. You start on one, you get to the other. Yeah. What is it like to ice skate? I've never ice skated. So I I know nothing from putting skates on. I tried rollerblading when I was a young kid, back when rollerblading was brand new, actually. Uh, That shows my age. Uh, But what is ice skating like? Like, how is it, how vastly different is it? Because I've, there's a famous quote from Wayne Gretzky uh, from way back in the day when he did an interview on ESPN. He said, the hardest sport in the world is ice hockey because you have to learn how to play a sport in a you know by by moving around in a completely different way so what is it like um i mean it is challenging i I do think it's more challenging than roller skating but um it it, it is fun it is very fun but like yeah you have to make sure like you know um you keep your one foot in front of the other and like um i usually just try to like um this i try to do like a little like um a little sprint like mm-hmm. not run too fast. I give myself a little push, like a little, and, and then like, um, it, it lets me start sliding more. And then like, you know, um, it's got to keep your feet close apart. Don't let them, you know, split out. Cause then that's when you run into problems. 
But um, yeah, I, I can never do I, I I can never do ice hockey though. I don't think I'm. I know ice hockey is a little more difficult. You gotta like control the puck and all that. So maybe someday, but you know, ice skating it's a little difficult, but you you get the hang of it after a little bit. <laughs> so you get you get you gotta get kind of like get your feel for where your center of gravity is. You got exactly yeah. Huh. That's that's interesting. I didn't know. I see. I know nothing from from. Not ice skating for physics, not none of that. My my mother is a physics person; she knows all about that. So it's it's interesting to hear you say that you got to keep like one foot in front of the other. Huh? Yeah. How, how long did it take you to pick that up? Um. Ah. Uh, well, I, the first day, like in um in Jersey, I was falling like three or four times, and like, I I felt mm. like yeah, I was falling a lot, and then um. When I went to Hatfield, I fell like um once or twice, and then like um the next time I went again, I started to like um get my balance better, and um I started you know skate better. So I want to say it took maybe around three weeks. So it wasn't wow. too bad. Like my, yeah, yeah. So but the more um the more I started to go, I just the more I started to like um catch up on it, and it just it felt great. I wasn't falling anymore, and I was having fun. <laughs> wow, you're a quick study. Wow. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Yeah. What other hobbies have you picked up over the years? Um, well, for five years I used to go bowling. Um, I still go bowling once in a while. Um, I, I have a lot of fun bowling. It's, it's a pretty cool hobby. Uh other than that, I um not not so much not so much other hobbies that other than that. I, I'll sometimes play a pool. Like if I go to a bar, I play a pool with like a with a friend of mine, but ma- mainly just ice skating and bowling. Yeah, I've done, I've done pool once in a while. I stink at it. Yeah, it, I'll, be, I'll be humble. <laughs> I stink at it. I'm bad. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, I'm out to do myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get me in a bowling alley. I, I can, I can, I can do me a solid 150, 160, but that's about it. I, I can't. The wrist action can't get there. Can't do it. Try. Yeah, I've tried. I, I just, I can't. It's just not me. Yeah, and it's it's hard too. You know, I, I see some people at the bowling alley. They throw like, I, I throw the bowling ball straight, but I see some people like throwing it with a curve or something like that. They curve the ball, like they they get a strike. They they curve it on their hand somehow. Yeah, there there's some some way they the the way the combination of the way the fingers are and then the wrist action. This is what I've heard. I again, I know nothing. I'm no expert, so don't 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 send me any hate mail. Don't don't you know don't tear me apart on whatever platform you're on but yeah, yeah. It, has, it has something to do with the way the you twist your wrist and the balls like throws itself into a spin and a, a back spin and then it does its curvature and I, again i i'm not a physics person so that's probably that's why okay. i'm so yeah. bad at those sports yeah that's that's pretty interesting though you know i i never learned how to do that maybe i will someday because that can really come in handy, you know, trying to get like a 300 or something. Yeah. Like yep. That's yeah. the, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So when, when you were at Motco, what, I forgot what field, your field of study you were in. What did you study? Uh, so when I was at Monco, I was trying to become a dentist actually. Mm-hmm. How'd that so work I, out? Yeah. I, yeah, um, I started to discover I had like a bigger joy in um the hands-on experience at the junkyard. 
So did so you didn't end up getting a certificate or nothing. You just you took classes and then that was it. Yeah. The furthest I got was like it wasn't really far at all. I took like a biology class. Like I was really I was still taking science classes, and then um mm-hmm. I, I guess I went to the yard and I figure you know maybe I'll just stick with the junkyard. I think this is a lot more fun. Wow. Huh. Yeah. So you weren't there for very long. Oh uh, no, not really. No. Yeah, I, didn't I mean, I, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's, I, it's crazy the kind of friendships you build up, and you don't realize that you're the people you met have only been there for like this tiny period of time, and you're like, yeah, I remember this guy. He was cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did take other classes that weren't like dental related. Like, I did take an English class. I did take a, a writing class. Like, I, I did have a passion for reading. I used to love. Uh, my favorite book was um. I think The Catcher in Mariah was my favorite book. Oh, yeah. now you're on a now you're on a topic I like. Okay, Catcher in the Rye. What 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 was your what were your impressions of that? I thought it was very well like um mind of someone like um he has a very different view of society and I don't know I, I was really I was really like wow this is an awesome book I like um I like the imagery of him walking around New York I love like how well written it was it was just I love this book. <laughs> nice. So you, you like the way the images were put together. Yeah. And I thought, like, yeah. And he was also a pretty interesting character. Like he had different views on society. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool. Oh, it was a different society back then. Oh yeah, that's true. Have you, have you picked up any similar works like uh, grapes of wrath or anything of that, that sort? Um, Grapes of Wrath, I did read, and that was a very good book. Um, I liked that. I also liked um, another book I liked. I liked, I don't know if The Great Gatsby would count. The Great Gatsby. Gatsby. Oh, okay. What are your impressions of Gatsby? Gatsby, um, a great book. I liked that, too. Not as much as Catcher in the Rye, but it was still a fun read. You know, um, I can't remember his name. Oh, um, Gatsby and his love for Daisy and... um. It was just really cool, and it was kind of nice seeing how people lived back in the 20s, you know? Like, everyone was rich, fun life. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, the myth. That's cool. the myth. That's the myth. And that and that's what, that's what that book brought forward was the myth of the great society of the 20s. Uh, Fred, the truth yeah. wasn't quite so uh, glamorous. Uh, I'm not I, – I love, I love Catcher in the Rye. I love – uh, all those other ones of mice and men, grapes of wrath. That's that's all earthy stuff. I love that stuff. Gatsby. No, sorry, no, <laughs> sorry, can't go there. Can't go there. It, look, if you want to learn how to write great imagery, study Gatsby. Study it. Yeah. Like go through page by page and like copy little snippets. You'll learn imagery like that. But when it comes to plot. Uh uh-uh. uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God. Have you stretched your reading habits into any any other genres? Um, I I do I do like um magical realism. I, um, I I like magical realism. I like realistic fiction. Um, mm-hmm. I read a couple of war books. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, Great book. Yeah. Great book. Oh, you're talking about a book that gets it right on the imagery front and on the plot front. 
That's a exactly. great book. Yeah, I, I love that book. One of my favorite war books. <laughs> uh, yeah, should be in everybody's library. Yeah. What else? Yeah, there are, there are a lot out there. I just I just happen to love a lot of genres, a lot of great books. Yeah. What else? Give me. Uh, that's that's a couple of your top five. Give give me an, give me another one. Another book I liked. Um, let me see here. There was a book called um, Flowers for Algernon. I don't know if you ever heard of that book. I have. I have. I that haven't read it in a long book. time, but it's a great book. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that book also. Um, obviously, I liked a little bit about Charles Dickens. Um, great Expectations I liked. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I even liked... Um, I even like some books like uh, The Kite Runner. Just trying to think of uh, books on it. Trying to think of books. Kite Runner I liked. Um, Kite Runner. Never, never heard of it. What's it about? The Kite Runner. Oh, it's, I think I read that back when I was a junior in high school. I read it. Um, oh, basically, wow. it, Yeah, it's about um, a family from Iran. They come to America. And like, um, I, th- I think it was like they, they face stereotypes and all. I, I don't know. I think it was around oh. 9-11 and all that. So yeah, it was a really interesting books, and um, huh. the kite the kite had some kind of like story connected. I can't really remember what the kite symbolized, but it was just really, it was a really cool read. I mean, oh, I add that to my list. That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, a very good book. You know that I, I um, one of my favorites back in uh, junior year. Nice. I got I've got myself in a dystopian rut. I gotta I gotta branch out. I gotta branch out. Yeah. I'm too much of a I'm too much of a Hunger Games fiend, and I'm like, okay, let me find the next great dystopian knockoff, and it's like, okay, all right, yeah, let me, let me get out of hey, my run. I love the Hunger Games. The Hunger Games is a great book series, so it's fantastic. <laughs> have you read the newest one? Uh, uh, I ba- have not. Ballad no. of Songbirds and Snakes. It's not as good as the original trilogy, at least not in my opinion. Um, but it is. First of all, it's long. Five. Oh, okay. 120 pages wow okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you can see it um back behind me to my left uh one wait a minute where's my first book oh well anyway all the way in that back corner back there the one on the bottom is is the new one and it's long i it's got it's got a flaw And I think it's a big flaw because it's a hyper political flaw. Not that that isn't, you know, anything strange for Suzanne Collins, because that's what the original trilogy was about. But she takes she takes the character of Snow, throws him back to when he was 18 years old. And then sorry, spoiler alert for those of you who care and haven't read the book yet. The book's been out for nearly a year. Sorry, I'm spoiling the book, but I'm spoiling the book. Um, but she takes him back to when he, he was 18 and is just starting out uh, to become the monster that he becomes over the preceding seven decades or six decades. And he um, he becomes this ultimate caricature for Donald Trump. The way he's portrayed, oh, okay. the way he was portrayed in the, in the media over the last five six years, and still is to oh. this day for for some people, um, and, and that sort of grossed me out 
because it was yeah. it was too obvious because everything that was being done was too tyrannical was too underhanded he flips out in this violent rage at the very very end and becomes this sinister this permanently sinister character and i just it left a bad taste wow. in my mouth um yeah because it was, was a little too taste. on the nose yeah that 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 would probably leave a bad taste in my mouth too that's just um a little Oh, uh, too much, I guess. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine when you've got a sixteen-year-old girl and she's she's this great sort of Joan of Arc type figure, and and you understand that it's fictional. But when your fiction starts to mimic life a little too exactly, the way certain you know the way certain media portrayals are going now, it's like right. No thanks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, th- yeah, that's a pass for me. Yeah, right. it's a little too much. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean to just to give you a, a, a for instance about my love for the Hunger Games, this which no one of no one of you on Monco Radio can see this. Uh, by the way, l- little um, I I guess I'm gonna drop in my little promo right now. If you're listening live on Monco Radio, fan freaking tastic. But if you can't listen live to the Small Guy Podcast, don't worry about it. This episode will be available next week through my podcast feed. Go to daveastonmedia.com slash smallguypod. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, even There's a blog there on that, on that page. Let me know what you think about the show. I, I'd appreciate it. Uh, but at the very least, listen to this amazing interview and all the other wonderful old shows, new shows and new stuff that I bring up there. But anyway, what I have in front of me is my original Hunger Games book. And Damien, you can see this, how yeah. much it has been read. Yeah. Been read a lot over the last, <laughs> when did I buy this book? I know exactly when I, when I'm, why am I saying that? Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I know exactly when I bought this book, the Friday before Mother's Day in 2012, I bought this book. Um, it was the first book I read. I got to the end of the first chapter. And I, the first book ever in my life, I didn't stop reading every other book. I hit the end of the first chapter, put it down, see you tomorrow. This one, I was up until two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning reading this trilogy. I I was like in it. And I've read this a bunch of times. This is plainly evident by its curled pages and cover. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, I've read exactly once. Yeah. Just once. Okay. <laughs> the new book I read exactly once. Just once. And I can't I can't force myself. It's by one of my favorite authors. <laughs> she writes really well. She's got great imagery, great characters. I can't force myself to go back and read it because it's too political. It's too political. Yeah. And it bugs me. I agree. Yeah. They, they have to stop putting politics into everything. It's just politics, you know, um, it's going to be, you know, forced onto us, you know, it's just, you know, let's just let it go. You know, let's not force politics on people. Right. Right. Especially yeah. when, we're, when we're talking about cultural icons. Well, speaking of which, that's a bad radio segue, but I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, the, the Dr. Seuss thing. What do you think about that? Speaking of books and politics. Right. Oh my god! 
That's ridiculous. So I um I heard a little bit about it. Are they trying to, to ban Dr. Seuss books now? Or I don't know. Is that what's going on? Apparently what happened is some some people, whoever the some people are, I have no idea, in this this ever-growing cancel culture mob, went back, read six obscure, and I mean obscure. We're not talking about cat in the hat. We're not talking about green eggs and ham. We're talking about obscure Dr. Seuss books and said that they were uh, one of them was racist. One of the, they portrayed certain really? types of people, even though none of the Dr. Seuss characters are human beings. Not a single one of them is ever a human being. But that's the thing. That's the thing. Dr. Seuss was actually against that. Dr. Seuss was, believe it or not, like most of these cancel culture nut jobs, he was a socialist. Yeah. He was a socialist. He was trying <laughs> to bring out a certain type of equality that didn't exist back in the 40s and 50s. He was trying to get against the system that would later dive headlong into McCarthyism. So he was against all this crap. He was definitely against censorship. Uh, so to, to hear that not only did they rail against these six books and demand that the estate and the publisher kill them, the estate voluntarily ceased production and sales. Wow. Holy crap. That's, that's crazy. Oh my God. That's yeah. I don't, I, I don't understand. Floored. That, yes. Oh my, holy crap. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, Wow. Peeps, that's something. <laughs> it, it's, it's, and unfortunately says a lot. It says too much, and you want my honest opinion. Uh, and it's yeah. like, come on. What? Really? Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss yeah. is for, Dr. Seuss is for kids. It's a teaching yeah. manual. Yeah, Dr. Seuss was a great person, and now they're um they're trying to cancel his books and say he's this and he's that, and oh my God, it's just right. It's for kids. It's it's a great story. It's a, it's a great bunch of stories. It's nothing bad. It's just you know, right? They're stories, exactly. Thank you. They're meant to bring a lesson of some sort, and and to toss them aside, like they can't teach us anything. Oh, yeah, it's. It's ridiculous. Oh my God. It is so ridiculous. I, I can't even, um, I can't even begin to process how all that happened. It's, it's, it's crazy too. And just like the potato head thing. It's just, wow. Oh, oh, don't get me. <laughs> Hasbro partially redeemed themselves by saying that they weren't going to get rid of the Mr. And the Mrs. Potato head, that they weren't going to go completely gender neutral, but it's like, for, first of all, I, I, and I want to hear your honest opinion about this because I'm right. I'm a classic guy when it comes to teaching kids about roles in the home. Okay, it's mom, sure, sure. it's dad. Okay, you have yeah. male, you have female. The roles don't have to be static. Okay, but right there, you've got men who do a certain type of thing, generally speaking, and then you've got women who do a certain type of thing, generally speaking. I mean, am I off my rocker? Am I am I thinking the wrong way that this is how we should be nurturing our kids? Oh, of course not. I, I agree with you 100%, you know. Um, you got a male here, a female there. You know, they, um, I don't see why, you know, um, 
yeah, I'll see why they have to say like general, they had, like they all, um, why saying that their gender is a problem? I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't understand it. It, ma- it makes no sense to me at all. First, first of all, you're, you're exposing young kids in, in a very subtle way to biological reality. You got right. men, you got women, and you're also exposing them to social reality. It's each of us has different responsibilities. And when they grow in, kids grow into adults, they have to know what those social responsibilities are. You can't just like, if you're going to be a mother, you can't just go, okay, I don't have to do X, Y, Z, except you've got a baby in your hands <laughs> and, and, <laughs> flip, and flip the roles as a dad. Same thing. There's a baby in the family. Yeah. You can't just say, I don't want to do X, Y, Z. So I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. If you know, you're it's, it's, yeah. I suppose my biggest really problem with it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I missed what you said. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I agree hundred percent. You can't, you can't do that stuff. It's just, Really? I just, I don't get it. Yeah, it, it's it's totally confusing. And I don't know how kids can absorb it because when they get out into the wider world, it, you have that, it's not a dichotomous relationship, but it, it's that it's that duality. You have one side and the other. You have men who do certain things, even if it is a social construction. Ugh, ugh, terrible, terrible term. Yeah. Ugh. But even if it is oh, a yeah. social construction, they see it. It's there. It's the predominant thing because we're wired differently, not just physically, but mentally. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, def- exactly. I-, I guess some people don't. I guess some people just, I don't know. They they don't want, I don't know. They just, they don't think, they just don't think like you and me. I just don't, you know, it's weird. Now, see, the, the thing is, at least as far as I've seen it, it's it's people wanting to accept something different. And right. instead of really doing a deep dive either into what the roots are of what they learned, which is an issue, but whatever. I think also the other side of the coin is is that they don't want to know what the social effects are because they want a disruption because for some reason they've been taught that the quote-unquote normal way uh, is disruptive. Exactly, yeah. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I just don't understand what's disruptive about having a nuclear home. I, I really don't understand that either. I, yeah, like you said, they're just, um, yeah, they just don't, I don't know why they just don't agree with us, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's just the obvious thing that they don't agree. Um, yeah. but I, I don't know. You, you grew up in a nuclear home, mom, oh, dad, course, yeah. apple pie, baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Not that <laughs> apple pie and baseball are part of it, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it. It seems to me that that that's that. I don't understand why they would want to dis, disrupt that. I mean, th- there's something to be said for having a static home, you know. There is, yeah. It's like they don't. They're they don't like it. They don't. They see it as a bad thing, and I really don't know why. You know, like like you, you like uh, like what you said. I grew up in a static home, and um, it's it's great. You know, a lot of people have. I don't really. Now they want to make things where it's not a good thing. I don't really, 
understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it's something that will forever be beyond our, our understanding because like you, um, you have a dad who exposed you to the junkyard and that's, that's, yes. that's your, that's your passion. That's where you're headed. You want to take the business. You want to keep your hand, you want to get your hands into stuff. You're out yeah. there <laughs> learning ice skating and bowling and all of this. And if it wasn't for, and this, this, this is something for all of you people who buy this multi-gendered nonsense. If it wasn't for having those polar opposites of, you know, the, the male figure and, and the earthiness and the, you, know, you get your hands into something and then you have mom on the soft side and learning how to deal with your, your emotions and how to deal with people. If you don't have that right. duality. How do you know how to live? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, people need to understand that, you know, how do you like, how do you know how to live about those kind of things in your life? You no, know, you need that in your life about, about a dad and a mom who do, who do those for you. It's just, you know, how do you prepare on your own? How do you prepare for life? Right. It's crazy. I don't, it's, it's, yeah. it's the silliest thing. It's the silliest thing. And then, and then it they is. have, and then to spread it out and, and have, um, what was it? What was it I, I heard recently? There, there's a, oh, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a senator from Rand Paul. That's his name, Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky is in, was interviewing the former Pennsylvania uh, health director, Dr. Levine. I don't know if you saw, right. I don't know if you saw this, but he came out with a very specific question about, um, what they call gender reassignment surgery for children and how they're what, what her policy would be about having that done to minors and would it be done with or without parental consent? And she never answered him. Wow. Okay. This, this, this is the leadership <laughs> that this current administration wants to have making the policies for our populace they can't answer a straightforward question to which they should already have an answer yeah it, it seems like they've been doing that frequently I, I seen that like there's been a lot of questions that they've just avoided and like this specifically it's just it, it like it's, it's like the cherry it's like the um cherry on top of the ice cream it's like okay like what, what the heck's going on you guys really don't know what you're doing here it's it's ridiculous <laughs> That's an interesting metaphor, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you're looking at these people. They're people, clearly. Right. Which presumes the fact that they have an intellect and a brain. And, and yet their answers belie this idea that they've gone ahead and just <whistles> tossed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh my god! Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know why they're just not being straightforward. You know, why they're not like um, they can't answer the questions. Why they're not giving us direct answers? I really don't know. I, I wish they would. Oh, amen. I I wish they would too. It 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 would be nice to hear a straightforward response, really, to anything. Just yes, no. You agree? You don't agree? Or okay, given this and such scenario what are you going to do? You know, what, what would your policy be? Just give me right. a straightforward answer. Don't dance around the issue. You know, you, exactly, can't, yeah. you can't govern societies like that. 
yeah see these, these people in power like you know um they need to be able to answer these questions how, how do you um expect to run a country when you're going to dodge questions and like not give straightforward answers i don't really understand that yeah no 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 disagreements here i mean it's it's ridiculous how just i mean just give me an answer it's just, it's just so plat, patently ridiculous even if i'm going to disagree with what you say even if i think what you're going to tell me is patently absurd right give me the answer exactly. give me the answer yeah. that's yeah, all i'm I, asking yeah and you know man people are going to disagree but it's better to right. disagree than have no answer at all it's like what the heck exactly Exactly. Better, yeah. better to have that. This was this was something that was piped up way back in the Clinton days when he was president. It's better to have a diversity of opinion than no diversity at all. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, I agree 100 percent. I agree 100 percent on that. It's just yeah. Like it's it's crazy how they they want this single mindset and they they don't just do it on a governmental level they're doing it in the social level they're doing it in the creative arts they're doing it all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and then there then there's the Facebook thing. Oh right, what's going on with Facebook now? I jump. Well, there's there are several things going wrong with Facebook. Facebook and Twitter, both for certain i'm not going to say all but for certain uh certain commentators some some big conservative type commentators they're not equaling apply equally applying their standards like i know of one uh of one big uh conservative comedian a comedian believe it or not i don't know if you've heard of him a guy by the name of steven crowder uh yeah, I, I have heard of him actually. Okay, yeah. isn't he funny? He's he is, he's yeah, dressed I, I and funny. Do. I love him. Very funny guy. Yeah, he's hysterical. Um, but he um, he's suing Facebook. Really? Okay. He's suing Facebook because they have a community guideline standard uh, that says that you're allowed to uh, like live stream certain events that. Are, um, you know, like a, it was over the, um, I forget whether it was presidential debate or something. They had the largest live stream of any single network via YouTube, uh, via Facebook, wow. excuse me, uh, for, for that event. And halfway through the event, their Facebook live stream was turned off. Oh, wow. Really? No, no explanations, no emails, no, you violated our community standards. They didn't say squat. There was wow, that's, nothing. Wow, that, that's pretty messed up. Oh, my God. That's that's really messed and up. It's, it's totally screwball. And now Twitter's messing with him as well. Twitter's saying, okay, you violated our community standards. But when the the section, the, the every email comes with a section of the specifics of – uh, of what community standard you violated, the section is blank. Wow. And his, yeah, Twitter, and his Twitter account is still suspended. So these, wow. these are the things that I wanted to step around because if I'm going to, you know, if I'm, I'm trying to get into this space, I want to get my name out there. I want to put, yeah. I don't want to keep my podcast siloed on, you know, one network, but 
what else am I to do? I don't want to go out there and be the little guy that gets banned because blank. Yeah, I, I hear that loud and clear, and it's really ridiculous. I guess, like, if, yeah, you, if you have different viewpoints, Twitter and Facebook want to, um, you know, I guess they just want to gang up on you and like they try to silence you if you have different viewpoints on something, and it's that's not that's not the way things should be. It's not not at all. Right. Like it, the other thing that bugs me, you, you can argue the legal points of their their standards and all of that, but in my view. Your, your big guys, Facebook especially, built themselves up as a uh, – basically a digital uh, – oh, what's what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, digital like, – like, like a Hyde Park kind of thing. They built themselves up as being this digital open space – where everybody can have any opinion that they want. That's how they built themselves up. It's the culture that they cultivated. And now right. to see this going on, and it's going yeah, on yeah. with YouTube, and it's going on with Twitter, and it's going on with everything. Yeah. Where does it end? That's a good question, and I would love to know the answer to that. It's just, it doesn't seem to be getting any better either. It just seems like it's, you know, getting worse. Yeah. I don't really see it just getting any better anytime soon. I would like to hope it does, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope it gets better. Yeah. Cause it just, it seems very counterintuitive to me. Like the, that, that's that alternative social network, which I am on, but not very actively called parlor. Uh, that got light switched by everybody, by Amazon, by everybody uh, in the aftermath of the, the January 6th riot. All uh, oh, right. Yeah, it's like that makes no sense. You shut them off. That's revenue lost. That's people getting soured to you as a company. What sense does it make? I I think it makes no sense at all. What they had to gain by doing that, I really it beats me. I got no idea about that. <laughs> it's, it's it's the silliest thing. It's the silliest thing. It is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on your mind? Um, no, I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. It's just, yeah, the world's crazy. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not what it used to be. It used to be before you could have your own opinion. And I don't know what happened. It started happening within a few years ago. It just, you just start, you can't have your own thoughts anymore. You know, things just aren't the same. If you, if you disagree with somebody, then, hey, you're going to be a target. You're going to be at, um, hate speech against, you're going to be a band for what you say. Okay. It's a different role now. It's it's very crazy, and I, I agree with you on everything. If only the rest of the world would hold similar opinions, we might actually be able to get back to diversity of thought and diversity of opinion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. But ah, uh, hopefully that ship hasn't sailed, and we're not walking down a Stalin-esque route. <laughs> yeah, I certainly hope not. Yeah. Uh, I, I like I like my freedom. Yeah, I, me, me too. I, I like being able to do what I want when I want, and you know, just being able to do you. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Be able to just be be a person. You know, if exactly. I if yeah. I'm holding a contradictory opinion about something, okay, so be it. It's different from yours. Oh. Yep. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. You know, and um, 
I don't know what happened. It, you know, it used to be like that. Like, you know, go back in like um, 2010, 2011, like you could have different debates on different topics, but the scenes, yeah, I don't know what happened. Within the past few years, you just can't have that anymore. Yeah. yeah I don't know what happened. It's crazy. And, and, and it, it bugs me when I hear that it's not a lot of people. Let me be very clear about that, but it's a handful right. of very vocal people when they, when they say, oh, how like – how backwards America is, how racist we've always been, how this, that, and the third, we, we can never escape. And it's like, hold up. I grew up in the decade that crawled out of most of the racism that did in fact exist in this country. I grew up in the right. 1980s. I saw the the suit i don't know if you'd call it education or indoctrination but during the 90s we stopped looking at color of skin we stopped looking at ethnicity as a factor of how we judge people we stopped looking at their economic status we started looking at the content of people's character and went that's the measure that's the measure I want to go by. You're not being a jerk. You're not being a butthead. You're not trying to shut me up. I'm okay with you. And the rest right. didn't matter. And now we're inverting all of that. And it's it's such a bothersome trend. Yeah, and I, I agree 100%. You know, um, even grow, growing up as a kid and all, you know, um, Everything is like America has always been good. I, I never heard things of like um how racist America was or how horrible of a country we are. Never heard anything like that. As a kid, it's like um hey, America is the best country ever. I still stand by um that statement. But like I don't know where all this you know baloney came from that we're such a horrible country now. All this, all that, just you know, it just doesn't add up. I I I'm gonna echo that. This, this is as bad as things might be getting. This is still the best country on the planet. Amen. Because this is the only country where what these nut job cancel culture type idiots are doing can actually happen. Exactly. You can't do this in other countries. No. Yeah, you, yeah, you get in trouble for doing this in other countries. They just won't right. have it. Right. You'd yeah. get jailed. You'd get fined. You'd get, God forbid, killed in, mo in many countries. Course, you know, yeah. like do do what you're trying to do. Let's say that leftism it, 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 or that that whole thing is frowned upon culturally. Take in some other country, like um, right. take it to Afghanistan. Of course, take yeah. it to Afghanistan. Let me see how quickly you're gonna want to come back to America. You won't oh, yeah. get there. You won't even get there, and you'll want to come nah. back. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, Afghanistan has a lot more strict uh, rules than America. You can't, like, um, have freedom like America or Afghanistan. Afghanistan, if you, you know, have their viewpoints, if you, like, disagree with what they say, you're looking at jail, you know, right. and all that. You're looking at jail. You're looking at somebody from some religious faction is going to bump you off while you're asleep. Like, yeah, you're, you're talking about some serious consequences. And here... You can have that diversity of opinion, that diversity of thought, and not the, the this 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 crazy thing called nothing happens to you.
exactly yeah <laughs> you can have your cancel culture and you're <laughs> not in jail yeah you can have a conservative opinion you can say that you know wild things like life begins at conception and yeah. you're not in jail and that's the beauty of America. That's why we're the best country. You it know? is like, the beauty of America. That it? You're yeah. absolutely right. That's exactly why we're the best country in America. Yeah. Damien, thank you, man. Uh, th- this hey, is this is great, man. This was great. Yeah. I I yeah, love awesome. I loved hearing about your your story. Um, and it's it's so cool to see somebody like you who um who found a passion by getting his hands into something. Uh, and I wish yeah. you continued success. I hope you do take over the business. I hope Thank dad you. retires very comfortably, sits back, yeah. smiles on you and your brother and says, I've done well. Thank you, Dave. That really means a lot to me. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Something I think you might want to look into um, and this is yeah. not an endorsement for this particular foundation, but one I've found um, to be of enormous help to a lot of small businesses, a lot of critical infrastructural businesses like yours, especially the, this yeah. type that's dying, uh, is a project by uh, Mike Rowe. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, Mike Rowe. I, I the, guy from, the guy from Dirty Jobs. He has he has a work ethic scholarship foundation. Uh, did you hear me through the distortion? Yeah. Okay. He has a, a work ethics scholarship foundation called Mike Rowe Works. Uh, Mike Rowe Works. Yeah. Okay. You want to look it up. Um, I think if if you, it doesn't help your business, you know, directly, it might help somebody who's looking to get into that kind of that kind of trade based business. Because uh, he himself like is like me. He's a college-educated guy, went into acting, went in, into that whole thing. But he's very attached to building up infrastructural-based businesses in America because he's trying to collapse the trades to academia gap, which is okay. incredibly yeah. wide right now. So he, he's trying yeah. to bring it back together. And I, I think it's a project you should look into um, but I wish you all the success in the world. Thanks for doing this, uh, this show. I, I greatly appreciate having you on. Hey, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on here. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Uh, maybe we can do it again sometime, by the way, I that. when, when I get more time at the end of the semester, I intend on keeping my promise to you. We're going to catch a beer somewhere. Oh Just yeah. Let me know where. That. Yeah. Yep. I'll, I know a few bars. Sounds great. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Damien. Take care. Bye, Dave. Be well.